always gets rid of fire, even though he never needs it. Nobody has ever seen him go hand to hand and live to tell the tale. Off-board artillery conducts radio checks to him. He is the most interesting ASL player in the world. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to the two half squats. Roll low, my friends. Seventy-nine of the two half squads. If you are looking for another show, you're in the wrong spot. Yes. If you're looking for uh, NPR show from NPR, but sit right back. Don't turn that dial. Don't don't touch that dial. Don't. It's we a, have a we have a podcast here all about Advanced Squad Leader, the greatest game in the world. One hundred percent, almost dedicated to yeah. that. Tonight's yeah. pretty much dedicated. Yes, to that. it is. We're going to hit ninety-eight percent. I think. Tonight. Yeah, I'd say um, because our plan is that today is October thirtieth. Anniversary of the War of the Worlds. Um, oh, that's right. Broadcast. Radio broadcast 1938. 1938. And, uh, Dr. Orson Welles. Mr. Orson Welles. Great guy. Great. Like him a, great guy indeed, yeah. Jeffrey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great guy. We should play that, uh, but we won't. No, because then we wouldn't be 98%. Yeah. In fact, we're getting further away from the 98%. Yeah, just doing this. We haven't we done anything. <laughs> we haven't done anything so far. How long... We're a minute into this. We haven't said anything of interest yet. Or anything about ASL other than yeah. that this show is 98% yeah. dedicated to <laughs> ASL. <laughs> well, it's great to see you, Dave, and thanks, everybody, for joining us again. We had a great episode last time, interview with Vic Provost. And now we have a bookend interview to that very interview. Yes. Bookends, Jeff. Bookends. Vic and? When you say bookends, it kind of pops in my ear. I got to get one of those uh, oh. microphone depoppers. Book, book. Has. Yeah, there you go. Book. <laughs> nice, nice soft B. Yeah, Tom Morin. That's right. From Valor of the Guards and, and from uh, dispatches, dispatches from the Bunker. Great so, interview. What a nice pair of interviews to go back to back. Yeah. Uh, there is a storm blow, blowing through the Northeast. Yeah, as we're recording this, the people out on the East Coast are suffering through Hurricane Sandy. And our prayers and thoughts are with you. Yeah. But we did get through to Tom tonight. We were worried about that happening. I don't think they should call a hurricane Sandy. Just sounds a little too dry. Well, you think of... um should call it that? wet. Hurricane <laughs> wet. <laughs> then we can make sandcastles if yes, it was... We... Wet. No, I think of um, Sandy Duncan. Oh, yeah. Doesn't seem very threatening. No. But... No. Well, you haven't seen her when she's mad. <laughs> she's horrible and a, and a horrible loser at squad leader. I mean, squads re- and leaders. Really gets we, mad then. Yeah, right? last episode we renamed the show Squads and Leaders, which which turned so far it's turned out really well. Boy, I can't tell you how much mail we've got. Oh, yeah, in support of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're lining up outside. And so? So here we go. Should we start with uh, the interview? The interview, and that's... All we're going to have for you tonight. <laughs> Let's well, start with the interview. It's an hour long. Interview. Now it's longer because we keep talking. Yeah. And, and so enjoy a wonderful hour 
with Tom Warren. Hello there. Hello. Hello, Tom. Yes, sir. It's Jeff and Dave from the Two Half Squads. Hi, guys. How you doing? It must be a very big thrill for you to talk to us finally. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And we are certainly thrilled to be talking to you, sir. All right. For those people, for those people that don't know, and and this is a historically important interview because we're doing this interview right in the middle of Hurricane Sandy. Oh, that's right. You guys are in it now, huh? Well, we're getting some cold winds and it's a little waves up uh, on Lake Michigan, but nothing compared to the devastation we've seen, of course. So, and you're in Massachusetts. That's correct. Uh, Western Massachusetts, to be exact, the Connecticut River Valley. And have you been there uh, a long time? Uh, I've lived here my whole life. Ah, okay. So tell us, um, why are we talking to you? Oh, no, that's not, that's not a good thing. I always like to, <laughs> guys like to throw that out. Now, oh, uh, tell us about um, a little of your history and how you got into gaming uh, in general and squad leader in particular. Sure, sure. Um, well, geez, my... Um, Days of gaming started way back when I was a young lad. Uh, my, I can still remember my brother, my older brother Jim, teaching me how to play chess, good old chess, and thoroughly thrashing me time after time. And you know that's how you learn how to play well is uh, get beaten, and then you learn how to play better, and eventually you master it. And so well, that's you, where it all think started. I should be a master by now because I've been beaten many, 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 many times. But don't let me interrupt. <laughs> Um, and let's see so I can remember back this is probably like 1969 ish uh, picked up my first uh, real board game which was the original uh, Battle of the Bulge the original Avalon Hill one Mm -hmm. and uh, I played that with my cousin and around the same time I picked up I think their Gettysburg uh, their first edition one as well and so those are my first two real board games and I you know, I remember buying uh, Kriegspiel and then, of course, Panzer Blitz and Panzer Leader down the line. Those were big ones, uh, you know, my first tactical ones. And um, and just was was not really playing a lot. I didn't really have anybody to play against in those days. I mean, my cousin a couple times, and a lot of it well, was just it, solitaire play. And, it's interesting and, you say that because it's got me thinking um, – if there's like maybe 3,000 ASL players in the world, there's probably 30,000 relatives of ASL players who had been forced to play the game at some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made um, my sister play me once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. So my but my first real face to face like war game partner was uh, Vic Provo, and what yes. happened there was uh, 1976. Um, I was in high school, and I was working for this place called Paysaver, and I was in the shipping department there, and Vic was the courier for the company, and that's how we struck up our friendship. And believe it or not, it wasn't until a few years later that somehow one day in, in our, you know, he would stop and make a delivery, and we were just talking, and somehow it came out that, geez, you know, I'm playing board games. It's like, oh, you're kidding me. I am too. And so we started getting together and playing on a regular basis. And uh, at that time, it was all pretty much, uh, you know, strategic level games. I mean, we were playing um, for a while, like Bulge 81 and um, 
Russian campaign, things of that sort. And then Vic was the one that uh, kind of twisted my arm into trying. Well, we were doing Panzer Leader and Panzer Blitz, but then he's like, hey, you got to try this Squad Leader thing. It's great. And um, I think at the time he had, like, Squad Leader and Cross of Iron. And we played this. Uh, I think I, I heard on his interview he related to this. And it was, it was you guys just can't believe this. It was a scream. We were playing uh, Traverse Right Fire. And back in those days, they uh, the Cross of Iron rules had this rule where if a vehicle was in motion or moving and got shocked, that you did a random direction roll and the thing went careening off. So he had one of his Russian armored cars coming down the road. I, I clocked it with a Panzer II. The thing veered off, it shocked, veered off, crashed into a little single hex building and rubbled it. And I don't think I ever laughed so hard. I mean, we were just screaming. <laughs> and yeah, I was hooked. I mean, I was that was the first thing I ever did, and I was hooked. Yeah, that those are the kinds of things that can really, you know, get you in this game, that it functions on that level. It sure does. And then um, at that point, you know, then we progressed to, you know, some of the classics. I, I can remember playing um, – you know, Guards Counterattack and Streets of Stalingrad, and, and we just kind of moved on from there. And just, I mean, we there weren't a lot of scenarios around back in those days, so you basically played everything. I mean, you played every last scenario multiple times, and that's what we did. And um, so that's how we got into ASL, because that naturally segued right into that when that came out in uh, 85. But, uh, I mean, we had progressed up through 84 um, playing, you know, we got G... Um, Crescendo of Doom and GI, and we were playing all of those. And we were still playing many of the other, you know, table t uh, board games. We were playing Bismarck and things of that sort. But then, um, you know, 1985 marked our first uh, convention that we went to, which was Origins down in Baltimore. And we went down, and being our first convention, we didn't play in the tournament. We just kind of gawked. <laughs> you know, we were in awe of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. but you know we certainly did pick up. Um, they had um, ASL there, but they didn't have the rule book, of course. The rule book. Now that was I want to say that was in June or July. I don't remember exactly. And the rule book didn't come out till like November, December, if I recall. Uh, but once we got the rule book, and you know, of course, I mean, it, it was it was squad leader, but it was taken to a new level, so it wasn't like it took us an awful long time to get immersed in it. And we just started playing. Um, you know, we played everything in Beyond Valor multiple times. And then I think Streets of Fire was the next thing to come out, and we it, um, got into that and just went on from there. And so 85 was our first uh, turn um, convention. And then we went in 87, we went to Origins, but this time we actually played in the darn thing. And um, that was where I met uh, Perry Cock and... Um, bunch of the other luminaries of ASL, uh, but Perry and I struck up a friendship immediately. You know, he gave me a thorough thrashing, if I recall, in the uh, tournament, but it was good fun. I mean, had a blast. Uh, can I ask you? Can I ask you something? Um, so you, when you were, when when ASL came out and the first rule book was printed, first edition, right? I mean, it was gigantic compared to. What came before? Is that right? Oh yes, it sure was. Um, you know, the biggest things that that we had to grasp were, um, you know, the, the the first fire principles. That was a new thing, and it was great. I mean, because the old tracking system was a pain. 
Um, but, you know, and then uh, fire lanes, things of that sort. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, those were, you know, once you get into those things, because um, a lot of the basic principles were the same. But, you know, once you once you get into, you know, all the new things, I mean, and it was it was better. It was an improvement. So we were quite happy to see all that. And But you went from a rule set that was how many pages originally, 20, 24 pages or something? Uh, well, and squad I, yeah. leader, and I'm asking because I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm naive and young and um, not very smart. <laughs> about that, but so you have to you have to talk to me like I don't know much. Uh, well, I but, mean, you know, it was much easier to have here. You have this, you know, loose leaf binder rule book. Everything's well organized. And before, I mean, you had four separate rule books because there were. I don't believe if I, I I don't have them anymore, but I, I don't believe that everything was in the GI rulebook. You still had to go back to the other rulebooks to find things. Uh, I think, if I recall correctly, so it was yeah, not. Yeah, I think that is correct. Yeah, it was not very well organized. So believe me, the the you know the the first ASL rulebook was uh, was wonderful. What a great thing it was to have that. One thing it seems like uh, kids do. And I'm not. I don't remember exactly. I mean, I can't correlate exactly how old you were as you were getting into this. But kids have a tendency to make up their own rules for stuff that's too complicated or something that they don't understand. Did you? And especially uh, you, you and Vic were kind of learning as you went. Right. Do you remember any glaring things that you made up or that um, <laughs> that you were doing horribly wrong that somebody corrected you on, like? Geez, I still do that. <laughs> yeah, do you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel better. Oh, geez, yeah. Oh, I, I come up with all these great, great interpretations, and I go, "Oh, okay, well, so I was wrong." <laughs> no, um, it's funny you mention that. I can remember Battle of the Bulge way back in '69. I was playing my cousin, and and he's quite a bit smarter than I, and he was reading the rules, and he goes, "Why are we doing such and such?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know," and he's like, "Well." Why don't we do it the way it's supposed to be? And I'm okay. You know, I, I basically was making things up for rules <laughs> because it was, you know, I mean, it was, you know, I was, geez, I was all of you know, 11 years old, so it was a little bit complex for me. Yeah, but, um, no background in it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, I think, hey, even that, there's so much in that rule book that uh, um, it's really a good idea to sit down every once in a while, which I haven't done in a while, and just actually read it cover to cover. You know, now, now you just kind of crack it when a, something comes up. I mean, you know, there's a good portion of it that you, what is it they say, you, you use 10% of it 90% of the time or something like that. I don't know. And um, For me, it's kind of like reading the Bible because, um, you know, I, I I have meant to, on several occasions, read the Bible. Um, and then when I get to, you know, the begats and <laughs> there's long passages, I think, eh, I'm not going to read the Bible. No, you start with the New Testament. I'm just going to read the highlights. I'm just going to read the highlights. Just the good parts. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm due for a reread myself. It's been, I think, five years, and I used to do it every two or three years. Of the Bible? Of uh, Well, no, oh. of <laughs> well, I read ASL. a lot of the Bible. The, the, the um, ASL um, Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, we, need to have, we need to start um, an ASL Bible uh, study group. There was the um, <laughs> n- new issue of Bonsai. And in it, I think Rick Reiner said that he just realized, or someone wrote in there, that they just realized that subsequent first fire has to be within your normal range. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Jeff. Just yeah. exam- ex- another example. Yeah. To my credit, I do know that one, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, I, I read the, the newest Bonsai, and... Um, don't and please don't quiz me on what was in it, but uh, yeah. you know it's just kind of you know mindless fun reading and uh, I enjoy that. Anything? Yeah, I read mine last night. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So when you were looking towards Stalingrad, I, I did read the article from Dispatches uh, in the to the uh, from the bunker mm-hmm. issue twenty three. Oh yeah, where I where I wrote my my history that got me into it. Yeah, and we'd yes. like to share a little of that. So the original version was Central Rail Station? Yes. Um, well, actually, I mean, my interest in Stalingrad went way back um, geez, when I was in junior high school. Um, we had a great the town library was right next door, and I would be up there all the time. I mean, anything to do with military history. And But for some reason, I was just attracted to the urban battles, and, of course, Stalingrad was the, you know, the mother of all urban battles and um i remember going up there and reading anything i could get my hands on uh there are actually some great books that i still have not seen since then at that library that had all these wonderful maps and everything but it got my interest going and uh, one of my friends and i used to sit around in class when we were supposed to be learning of course and we would draw little urban grids on you know on paper and we would just basically draw these little city maps and draw these little battle scenes, um, kind of an overhead battle scene. And, you know, once we got into, um, you know, when I got uh, Panzer Blitz, I was actually trying to recreate that. So, when, you know, when ASL came on, of course, it was just tailor-made for that. And um, I can remember, I want to say it was maybe 80, 1984, Operation Hubertus, was in one of the generals and um you know which is kind of uh, the precursor to uh, the last bid and th- what a great scenario and th- i mean that just captured my imagination so I-, I definitely was looking forward to seeing more and when we heard rumors i, I want to say in 87 when we were down at origins we kind of heard rumors that char of you know, Charlie working on his project there of Red Barricades. And um, so we were definitely looking forward to that. And when that came out, uh, it was just amazing. I was in heaven. I mean, we all were playing Red Barricades. And um, But that's that really sparked me and got me going on um, trying to do my own thing. And at the time, now, we were working for uh, doing play testing for On All Fronts, that venerable newsletter. And... Um, I came up with the the idea to do, you know, I was reading on Stalingrad and saw all this wonderful information on the uh, battle for the rail station and started looking at maps and whatnot and saw that it was a really small area that would, you know, be perfect for a really, you know, little mini campaign. So that's where that all was born. Uh, went, started going to the UMass library on a regular basis. They had really nice uh, sources on the battle. And just did a whole ton of research, uh, came up with my crew little map and um, a nice little CG and system that was based on red barricades, of course. Uh, came up with a couple of scenarios, and we did a bunch of play testing, and it was a blast, and it seemed to work well, and we submitted it to On All Fronts, and that's where that came out. 
And then Don Petros got involved? And then, uh, yep, and then how that happened is Don saw that. He, you know, he saw the on all Could you, I'm sorry, could you tell me who Don is? I know the name all over the place, but yeah. I, I... Don Petros uh, lives in San Diego, and he uh, is a, you know, war gamer, and he is a very talented artist. Um, and he, uh, what he had done was he did a, a map uh, hand-painted map on the tractor factory, which uh, Critical Hit later got a hold of a copy of it. Anyways, I have um, I have a nice copy of it that he sent me as part of his uh, his little fishing game to entice me into doing Central Stalingrad, which is what um, Valor of the Guards was initially called. Uh, so he did a map on um, the tractor factory, which was to this day still the nicest looking historical ASL map that I've ever seen. I mean, the artwork was unbelievable. And I, I was, I really lobbied hard for him to do, you know, the Valor of the Guards map using that artwork. And initially, the initial version actually did, but then he, you know, when it became an official submission that was going to happen, he changed it over to the Red Barricades uh, style, which is, you know, the Charlie Kibler style of artwork, which, I mean, that looks, it's really nice and it's great. Um, it's not as detail-oriented as uh, he did the Tractor Factory map, but it's functional and it looks nice. So, uh, but anyway, so Don... Um, Got a hold of me one day. I got a phone call out of the blue, and he, you know, told me who he was and that he saw the Central Rail Station, and you know, would I be interested in doing a project with him on Central Stalingrad? And I was really, you know, it was kind of much bigger than I wanted to ever deal with. I was just like, well, I don't know. And he said, well, let me send you a map of something I've already done and take a look at it, and then we'll talk some more. And he sent me the tractor factory map, and, and I had it down at the club with Vic and everybody, and we were just flabbergasted. I mean, we were like, wow. You know, and everybody's like, Tom, you have to work with this guy and, and uh, you know, do this project because this looks like it'd be great. And so that's where it was born. And Don and I, you know, exchanged letters, phone calls, and uh, right off the bat started working already. He already uh, was doing the map. He already, and, um so he sent me what he had, and um, the map went through several revisions. Uh, but the first one he sent me, was, I mean, it looked great. And we just were right from the get-go. We were going and uh, coming up with all the different terrain rules and you know, the, the structure of the campaigns and everything else. You know, it was all in its very basic stages. But we started there, and uh, that was in 1993. And then in uh, so for a couple of years, like two or three years, I just was working on the original scenario set. I think I, my first four scenarios I came up with were um, Pavlov's House, um, Rustram and the Volga. Let me see now. I'm trying to remember. Um, and it was the Specialist House? Specialist House, yep. The third one. And then the fourth one I'd want to say was the first bid, which was called something different at the time. Uh, Kerry Naiman came up with that great, you know, it was brilliant coming up with that title. But um, I want to say we initially called it Going Downtown or something like that, And uh, but, but that was the monster. So those are the four I was working on and worked on those for, you know, those first couple of years and then started getting the, 
you know, I had uh, like outlines for a whole bunch of uh, what you you know now see are the original seventeen scenarios. Now, when you say worked on them, do you mean you were uh, play testing them also as you as you designed them? Uh, well, what I would do is, you know, you, you do your research, you go, you go, oh, that would be great, and then you start doing your design. I would, you know, lay it out, get the map layout, you know, design the scenario, definitely do the solitaire play testing just to see if the general idea works, work out some bugs, and then, yeah, then we were playing it down at the uh, the bunker and uh, working on it there. And um, so that. And then Avalon Hill got involved. Uh, well, uh, I want to say it was, I it was either '95 or '96. It was the the brief period there where uh, when Gary Fortenberry uh, was kind of handling the reins when they handed it over to him. Right. And uh, I remember meeting with Gary down at uh, Avalon Con, and I sat down and I I just. Uh, I felt pretty inadequate because, uh, you know, I had all these, you know, handwritten notes and, and stuff done on a typewriter of all things. And, uh, but I had everything with me and I did a presentation to him. And, uh, and, and it's funny because at the same thing, Jim McLeod was there and he had his Ortona map and all his stuff. And, and of course, you know, um, his project just blew mine out of the water because his oh. looked so nice. At the, and I, but, you know, and that was a whole nother um, I should digress from that, but uh, that's where I, you know, met and became fast friends with Jim as well. But, uh, anyways, I presented the project to Gary, and you know, he said, "Yeah, we'd love to do this," and uh, you know, go ahead and keep working on it. And then, about a year or so later, when Kurt took over, um, you know, the MMP ship, he uh, right after the he did. The, the whole takeover business, whatever he call, actually called me from. Uh, I think that's when he was playing down in Texas, and uh, he gave me a call and just assured me that uh, you know MMP still wanted to do the project and everything. And we talked for a while, and so I knew that it was officially kind of in the queue, so to speak, and I just kept working on it. And uh, it was around that time. That was ninety. I think that was like ninety-seven. Uh, that's when uh, Don happened to. Uh, get a several really nice key pieces of research material for us. Um, he came up with a, a street map of the downtown in Russian, of course. But uh, and, and I I took and had somebody that I knew up here uh, that you know could speak Russian and whatnot. And he actually taught, and so he did the translation for me. But Don also got some really nice aerial photos, and that's when he redid the map. The map went through the complete revision into the form that you see now, and um, and I just continued working on the scenarios and the campaign. And then I, it was in '99 that I started actually doing the the layout on the computer. I was using Microsoft Publisher of all things, and started laying out the chapter and all the scenarios so that they you know looked really nice and official. And it was also that time, that was a key year for me, uh, 99, I established a good friendship with Jason Mark, who you've probably heard, you know, he's um, written, he wrote Island of Fire, and um, he wrote The uh, Besieged, which is the Battle of Colm. Have you guys heard that one? Heard of that book? Yeah, I heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. that's Kampfgrupp Shearer, that uh, um that Hazel that uh, 
Andy Hershey did recently. I think it was from through LST. LST, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So LST. Jason wrote that book as well. So, uh, so anyways, uh, through uh, another um, author and researcher in Europe, uh, I was online and had established a relationship with him. And uh, he suggested getting a hold of Jason because he knew Jason was a big Stalingrad researcher, and you know Jason lives down in Australia. And so I. And when you came when you came upon this new information, did that change the map and the scenarios and everything? It changed a lot of the uh, historical information. So it did change scenarios a little bit. Um, it changed. Um, the campaign as well because you know through because Jason and I started going back and forth and I mean this was like almost a nightly thing I drove my poor wife crazy <laughs> um, you know he we would just be talking Stalingrad every night and the amount of the information that he had was just astounding I mean just very accurate orders of battle and um, I mean it was it was a gold mine for me. But what it changed, you know, I originally had thought the 24th Panzer was involved in the downtown, and he straightened me out on that, and it was just the two Sturmgeschütz battalions that were there uh, as far as, you know, armor for the Germans. And, um, you know, that I mean, that's just an example of uh, one one thing that changed, and, you know, it was a big change. Um, but from there on, uh, v, uh, VOTG became an actual, you know, on the very accurate hazel. <laughs> yeah. Now, with the fall of the Soviet Union, was there more information that that became available too, or was there not a connection? Um, there, there is. I mean, even I, I've seen more of that in the past, like probably ten years. So actually, really, when I was getting almost almost in the very late stages, you know, not long before submission, that I actually started finding uh, more and more from, you know, the, the old Soviet Union that was available online, so to speak. I actually almost, uh, I had a, a trip lined up to Stalingrad back in 99. Uh, Ralph McDonald, who's one of the bunker guys, and I were going to go. We had actually signed up for the uh, battlefield tour, got the package in the mail, was doing the whole nine yards, and then... Um, and he was the only person I knew so that was going, so it was just him and I, and, you know, it was going to be part of this group. And uh, and then all of a sudden, Ralph became a father, and that, so he had the bail on the uh, on the trip, and, you know, well, as you might imagine. I think they allow babies to go on airplanes. What's that? They do allow babies on airplanes, <laughs> don't they? Uh, well, you know, I mean, even from a financial point of view, though, I don't, I don't think that it was. <laughs> yeah, probably ill-advised. He had, a, he had a lot of obligations at that point, and I, I you know, I, ch I chickened out. I didn't want to go, you know, on my own. I'd be, I mean, it was bad enough the two of us would have been over there, not yeah, knowing I what the heck we were doing. But um, a truly loving wife would have insisted <clears throat> that he go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so I didn't go, and and um, I wish I had, you know. But and I still hope to someday get over there so I can actually do a tour of it. Well, maybe Jeff and I will go with you. Oh, hey, that'd be great. That'd be. Uh, I actually we could lead a you know, tour of the two half squads tour. <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to have a whole bunch of ASLers go. It'd be a, it'd be a blast to do something like that. It would like be that. pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, and we wouldn't have to worry about hauling our our kit with us because we'd just take a laptop and just you know have Basil with us, so we could 
keep busy on the long train rides over there. <laughs> yeah. Now, I noticed in this article you mentioned uh, you found out the hard way that many archival sourced sources related to Russian materials were out to fleece anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, because um, I, I contacted several. Um, I had one was in the States here, and, um, you know, I, I got a, I paid him and got a bunch of useless crap from him. Um, huh. It wasn't it wasn't like it was a lot of money, but it was like a, a couple hundred bucks. But uh, and I had another one down in. Well, I did have one down in um, the D.C. area that uh, he, he did pretty well. I got some pretty good um, copies of uh, German documents and and whatnot. You know, daily sit rep reports on the. Uh, I want to say it was the uh, 51st Army Corps. Um, daily communiques so there was some there was some nice stuff i got out of that but i did uh i did actually uh touch base with the stalingrad uh, the panor the museum in downtown stalingrad the panorama museum i actually uh got a hold of the uh the gentleman there and uh the first thing out of his mouth was uh you know looking for the money <laughs> so huh. i i i was i had already been burned and i backed out of that and just said, you know, nah, I'm not going to do it. But then, you know, around that time, I mean, that's around the time that Jason entered the picture, Jason Mark, and you know, he was he had all kinds of great sources and and uh, amazing stuff. And I mean, I've I've still I kept it all. I've got mountains of stuff from him. I would print all the emails, and and it's amazing stuff. And yeah, you know, I, I owe him a big uh, debt of gratitude for, for everything he did for the module. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is because of his um, his input, his research data that all went into this. It's amazing. Now, I've, I've never played it, and I've never actually spent much time looking through the um, looking through it, but Dave brought his copy over, and I guess you haven't played either, right, Dave? Uh, no, not yet. You played it, so on our list of things on our bucket list of things <laughs> yeah. to do. Oh gosh. But, well, you know, I'm I'm so astonished by one all of the research that goes into it and two by the um you know chapter V where you do things like um you know you make um special rules for the way roadblocks work and and the way uh blazes spread through cellars and things like that. It's amazing to me, and and how do you pick? How do you decide what kind of modifications to include in something like this? And you must have a mountain of stuff that you thought of that you decided not to put in, right? Yeah, um, there were things. I mean, as early as nineteen ninety three, ninety four, when uh, Don and I were first going back and forth, I've actually got the notes from from that. You know, he uh, we were trading ideas on uh, you know all the different terrain types. I mean, that's where um the gutted buildings rule was born and um the uh the partially rubble buildings you know the uh rubble that has standing walls i mean that's that's where all that came from and and it's designed for effect um you know all of that you can see in uh the battle for stalingrad you know the the gutted buildings i mean they weren't just in red barricades, the the factories that were gutted were just you know shells, and they they didn't have any upper floors. I mean, it was just the walls. 
uh, and in downtown Stalingrad, the buildings actually had the floors. They were gutted, but they, you know, they were really stout concrete buildings, so they still had all their upper floors. You know, of course, the roofs were gone because they were burnt out, uh, so it gave nice roofless things that you could fire from. Um, you know, the rubble with the standing walls. I mean, any picture you see of Stalingrad, you see that everywhere, you know, just like portions of walls still standing up. So that was all a design for effect thing. Um, uh, let's see, the no, kin, uh, the no kindling, you know, and barricades, one of the rules that a lot of players will use in the campaigns, um, which I still think is rather ahistorical because I don't remember ever reading about them kindling places, but um, they certainly, you know, I did not want that, you know, loophole, so to speak, in the uh, in VOTG. And since most of the downtown was already gutted, you know, and burnt out anyways, and yeah. that, you know, I didn't have to worry about that, but no kindling was definitely one of the design for effect things that addressed a gamey issue as well. Um, another thing in Valor of the Guards that I did um, was the uh, the counterattack, you know, the Russian counterattack rule. Uh, one of the things, you know, and you can see a lot of this came from, you know, having played Red Barricades and over the years, you know, read people's after-action reports and, and all the tactics that they use, the gamey tactics, and, you know, there's the one where you just, as the German, keep attacking, 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 never take an idle chit. And, you know, that that makes it really difficult on the Russian to win the game. And in Valor of the Guards, you know, I had read, you can read many accounts where the fighting was back and forth and back and forth. And the counterattack rule addresses that. It, it gets that back and forth fighting. And it also takes care of that, uh, that, gamey tactic of, you know, not taking idle days, you know, it forces, it, it allows both sides to go back and forth. So all designed for effect. Now, looking back on it, because it's been a few years since uh, you completed the project, is there anything you uh, wish you had included or you feel uh, didn't work out quite the way you would like? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, on a couple of the scenarios, i didn't quite do a good job of evaluating all the play testing and sometimes you get you play test something so much when it comes time to make those last minute tweaks and adjustments uh you don't do the right thing and there's a couple of great scenarios that you know I should have made a different decision on uh, verge of extinction it's one of my favorite scenarios in the thing and what a great situation and it needed to be it needed to be a turn longer and I hemmed and hawed. I was looking at all the play test data, and, you know, I didn't make the decision to go with that extra turn, and that's really what it needed, and that's why the thing is out of whack if you go on roar. So that's just so one, I had a turn. One, one example, one example of, uh, you know, something that I should have done. Now, as far as rules, um, I mean, we, we looked at various ways of addressing things like, uh, you know, the Germans ending up with the big kill stacks. Um, I, you know, there's lots of game ways you can deal with that. You know, we, we came up with kind of a, um, in ASL in general, I mean, it's, it's kind of goes back to that, you know, uh, the whole thing of stacking a whole bunch of machine guns in one hex. I mean, that's, that's really not the way they use them, but it's a gamey thing. I mean, we all do it. And yeah, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. 
So I, but I actually came up with a, you know, a way which I might yet, you know, do some sort of article and come up with it was um, a way to use like a an attrition rule to just kind of call out extra support weapons, you know, just because you know when you're doing the scenario, it's really this little microcosm or this one little snapshot of the whole day's fighting. So you know, there's a whole bunch of fighting going on that's not really being dealt with. And so I, was, I had a rule that I was going to do where you roll on a chart and it causes, um, basically, if you lose SWs, you know, it just calls out the extras so that you just don't have, you know, 15 heavy machine guns. And, and it also uh, was going to attrition leaders and some squads as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it would knock off, like, you had a chance of losing that all those ten three leaders that you'd have or anything along those lines. So that I mean that that's something that um, you know, and I've seen on the forums and and guys talk about you know all the kill stacks and everything. And um, probably a, a better way to address it, looking back, would be just to not have heavy machine guns be part of the rifle companies, and just have them be in the heavy weapons companies. I mean heavy weapons platoons. Um, mm-hmm. that would be another way to look at it. Yeah. But uh, those are just a couple things would love to change because I think if you do things like that, it actually makes it quite interesting. Um, but, you know, there are also ways to handle it. If, you know, if you're playing the game, there are ways to deal with kill stacks, smoke and OBA and your own kill stacks, mortars and the such. There are different things you can do to neutralize kill stacks, but then again, there are some times when there's just nothing you can do except hide from the kill stacks. So, yeah. So, so how long uh, did it take altogether for you to, uh, from, would you say, from conception to finish? Oh, geez. Dan Dolan. And how many times did you want to throw it all out the window? (laughs) (laughs) I almost did a couple times, and um, I almost bailed out on it a couple times as well. Um, But, uh, well, I started on it in 93. I officially submitted it to MMP in 2003. Something happened to it when it was in uh, Perry Cox Cellar. (laughs) I guess he had a flood or something. No. And, uh, yeah, so about a, a year or two later, you know, he's like, hey, could you kind of resubmit that to me? Oh. And, uh, you know, of course I had copies of everything, so I just resubmitted it to him. But it actually, it was kind of a, a blessing because it allowed me to tweak a couple things rules-wise in the CG that, you know, I had new research data that came up. So I was able to do a couple new things, and I think maybe even get a couple new scenarios in there as well. Uh, you know, that had come up in the interim. So that all worked it must out. Have been, well. It must have been enormously gratifying then to see that, the printed copy, when it arrived at your house. I assume you bought one. Well, uh, actually, I was handed the very first copy when um, I went to Winter Offensive in um, 2008, which is where it was being released. And uh, I walked in the door, and Perry opened the first case and handed me the first copy. Wow. Cool. That so, is really cool. And what did I, I do? Have any pictures of that? That's what yeah. I was just and what did I do with it? I, as soon as I, you know, I, I started punching the cars out <laughs> instead of <laughs> oh, saving put, that first one, right? You should have put it up on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, it's it's in my kit <laughs> as we speak. You know. 
All right. Well, Tom, um, my copy, as you heard, I haven't punched it yet. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is actually with jump into oh, – wait, this game has the first bid? First bid, yeah. I think I'm going to – I'm really getting geared up. I'm just going to get find someone. I think I got Mark Woods to do this with me. He's willing to commit a couple months. And just we got to find a place and, and play that monster first. That which is, normally I do all the little scenarios and I don't do campaign games. Yeah. Uh, we, but when Jeff opened my box, I had two leader counters missing, a Russian and a German. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, no, I think I punched them out. Were there special leaders in the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, you mean uh, as far as uh... – the, the leaders actually, uh, the names on the SMCs were either historical names or, or names of um, people that worked on it, you know, play testers. Okay. There was, there was no commissar or something? or um, Why did I punch out two of these things? Yeah, there was, well, there, there was a new kind of commissar that came out in VOTG, oh. the, the 8 plus 1. So maybe that's, that's right. what you I had, Yeah, I took out an 8 plus 1. Yeah, right. So, yeah, he did have some new leaders in there. I wanted to point that out. That's smart. And then, of course, you have the best terrain feature ever. I don't know if you heard us open this on what's in the box the first time we, we looked at Valor of the Guards. What's that? Uh, you might want to go back and listen to that episode and hear the excitement in our voices, but it was it was the fountain. Oh, the fountain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, the fountain with the, uh, of course, not enough detail to see that it was the uh, – the children dancing around the crocodile. Yeah, from Clockwork Orange. That's where I remember seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, that's a good um, movie. <clears throat> and that scene is in there. And then I have just pulled up a photo of Stalingrad and enlarged it here on my computer. And, Tom, i got to hand it to you. I'm pretty well matching this thing up. And it's a pretty grainy photo, but I can see a ton of these houses, and I can actually see these fountains on here. I mean, you guys just did an outstanding job. Surprise! I never have looked this up before. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's Don, Don Petros did a, a great job, um, you know, with the map. And you know, we did, you know, we went back and forth a little bit, and you know, he would send me the sketch, and and uh, you know, we'd say, well, you know. Shouldn't there be a building here? And you know, this road needs to move over a little bit. And you know, this is way back in the, uh, um, you know, in the beginning when he was doing the revision of the map. But uh, he did a great job. I mean, it's it's really nice. And if, if you have blurry areas, would that ever happen where you couldn't quite tell what was there? Oh yeah, you know, I mean, well, there uh, initially definitely there was that. Um, but the uh, the aerial photo that he got, he got this, and I still have it. This one aerial photo that was um, taken on uh, September 17th. So that's like you know three days into the the fighting, and there was this beautiful area aerial photo of the downtown where you could see tremendous detail. That is the one he used for the map, and uh, everything was very clear on that. So. Okay, I just didn't know if you just kind of fudged it by throwing in some debris and shell holes or something. Um, well, yeah. Now, artistic license for things of that sort. Um, you know that. You know, yeah. I'm sure Don did that. You know, you could you couldn't always see where you know where all the shell hole and debris was. Uh, Plus, I imagine uh, actual terrain is uh, doesn't lend itself necessarily to good gameplay, and so you had to make some 
adjustments for that, I would think. Yep. Oh, you definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, you'd have to uh, do nip and tuck here and there with, with the block structures and whatnot to, uh, you know, make them fit within the grids and in the buildings as well. Well, amazing. What are you doing next? <laughs> um, well, I've been doing um, formatting uh, scenarios for the next issue of Dispatches because uh, we've just come up with our um, our choices for the next four scenarios, and uh, those will, we'll be starting play testing on those next month. So I got all the layout done in the last couple of days. And uh, and, and uh, you had a um, uh, the Ilu River, yeah, Guadalcanal, yeah, in dispatches, yeah. And uh, now there's been other treatments of that. Was yours done before? Or separate from the other treatments, wasn't there one in a in a one of the uh, MMP magazines? Um, they there was a Matanikau. They did the other end. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So the Matanikau was on the opposite side of uh, the, the Henderson Field perimeter. Okay. Then is there any chance that this thing will get see a uh, publication? Well, actually, um, you know, Chaz Argent had. Um, expressed interest in reprinting that, but he wanted to do it uh, with a, a hazel map, and I just haven't gotten around to, I mean, that's going to be a big project, trying to come up with aerial photos. I'm, I'm not an artist. <laughs> so, you know, um, anything I would do would be crude. And I did contact Don about, you know, do, working on that, but Don's a busy guy and uh, had gotten just gotten remarried and everything, and he just wasn't up to you know, getting into that project. So maybe at some point, if I get the time, I'll try looking for some uh, aerial photos to, you know, do a nice accurate map of the area. I mean, I did what what I did originally. I had done, um, and this was I my first version of this. I got ready. It was going to be for on all fronts way back when. I hand drew a map using. Um, you know, what aerial photos I had, which, you know, weren't the greatest, and ground photos and whatnot. And so I drew the map of the uh, uh, the mouth of the Elu and uh, came up with the scenario, the first version of the scenarios and then just kind of shelved it. You know, on all fronts went out, and, and I just shelved the whole project. And then, um, you know, when dispatches came around, I eventually pulled it out and... Um, Went through various things. I did an overlay that was going to go on a geo board configuration, and then finally just decided to do just a you know a geo board uh, thing with using the river overlay. And it came out pretty good. Looks fairly well like the area. Yeah. And um, and then did the three scenarios. And the campaign is actually the 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 real jewel of the you know of that issue because it's a a great little campaign. A lot of fun, actually. So that's something to try if you ever get a chance. We'll put that on our list, too. Yep. <laughs> we have a very long list, and Dave and I are in our teens. And have <laughs> we have a long life ahead of many, us. Many, many good years ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, after you do the first bid, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, um, we're actually, um, you know, the, the Nor'easter is our, our regional, one of our two regional tournaments, and it's in March. Uh, this coming March, uh, Ralph McDonald and I are going to be a two-headed tournament director. Um, 
you know, in the past, attorney directors would would because uh, it's always done on a volunteer basis, and you know, Michael Luxemburg has done it many times. And how these guys go and run a tournament and don't play in it, I just you know, my hat's off to them. But you know, I'm sorry, I, if I go to a tournament, I want to play some ASL. So you know, our condition, and we did this. Uh, I want to say about it was back in 2008. Ralph and I did this as well. We volunteered to do the attorney director thing, but it was both of us. So, I mean, A, it splits the duties so that it's not all on one person, so it makes it easier. Uh, and B, we actually get to play. And the plan is, you know, it, if uh, sometimes we uh, play spoilers, so if there's an odd person in, in a round, you know, we can play them. Or when, if that's not happening, we would just play each other. And what we did in 2008 was we... Uh, actually set up the first bid and uh, we were playing that um, and it, Ralph and I were on you know the opposing sides and we had other players rotate in uh, you know on our quote-unquote team and you know, they would just take some of the forces and so for the whole three-day weekend we just played the first bid and you know you know when somebody got a chance in between rounds they'd come sit down for a while and play. Oh, wild. That's what we're nice. planning to do uh, this coming March as well, and you know we're thinking maybe the first bid or you know maybe some other real big monster we're going to pull out and and we're just going to play it while we're running the tournament. Do you play any other games other than ASL anymore? Um, oh yeah, uh, let's see. I'm going to spin around so I can look at my games here on the shelves. Um, it's been a while, but I. Um, Bitter Woods I've played in the past, which is great. Um, oh, R- Russia Besieged is a great game. Um, I've played uh, Monty's Gamble. Shifting Sands I love. Um, Storm Over Stalingrad, you know, which is a, a nice nice little area game with uh, card, card play as well. Um, and then there's also the Command and Colors style games. Um, Memoir 44, and uh, Battle Cry and Battle Lore. Those are the other, you know, using the little miniatures. Right. And uh, I actually, my wife, I you know, I taught my wife to play those, and um, in particular, like Battle Cry, and she actually got to be pretty good, and would beat me almost half the time. Wow. Uh, yeah, we would uh, we'd sit down and I'd set the scenario up and explain, you know, what the the general gist of the scenario was it's like okay hon now you're you're defending and you're trying to keep me off of that hill and she didn't care she just attacked <laughs> she, <laughs> she would just come after me you know she'd be outnumbered two to one or whatever and just come after me and she'd win half the time doing that so um and but she play, she also played some battle war and some uh, memoir 44 as well oh that's great well um is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Um, oh, offhand, um, no. <laughs> you want to um, say hello to anybody? We had who, who, oh, we, Bill, oh, Bill Cirillo. In case you got hit by the storm, we had a backup. Um, Bill was going to join us, Cirillo. So he says hello to you. Oh, great, great. Yeah, we'll definitely say hi back to Bill. And uh, Bill and, and actually we, was one of the original uh, when we were doing the playtest teams for. Valor of the Guards, Ralph McDonald, who's one of our club members, uh, 
he worked for Icon, or still does, but, uh, you know, it's a big printing company, and he actually uh, printed the maps up, you know, so these huge playtest maps. And uh, there were, I, I want to say, if I remember, there were one-piece maps that he printed up. Hmm. And um, so he printed all those, and uh, Bill was one of the original, uh, we had ten playtest groups, and he was part of the, one of the ones down in uh, the Maryland area that was in, in the early stages. But I think... Uh, he wasn't long after that that he got real busy starting to work on uh, Festung Budapest. So yep. We're going to line him up next, we think. Awesome. Yeah, well, I actually finally got to play recently my first uh, uh, Festung Budapest scenarios and uh, having a lot of fun with that. It's a great module he's done there. And um, I'm looking forward to playing more of that as well. I mean, we've got the Albany tournament coming up in uh, – just over a month now. Or actually, I think it might be. What's today? What's today? The thirtieth or thirtieth? Yes. I think it's uh, exactly a month from today. It starts. I think there's several of the uh, you know Fiston Budapest scenarios are on the playlist. So I'm looking forward to doing as much of that as I can. Well, we hope that happens. We hope you get to play. Yeah. And play and play. Well, you know, we because you know a good part of the year. Myself and you know many of the club members uh, end up doing a lot of work on the dispatches scenarios. We do a lot of play testing for that, and uh, it's a lot of work, and uh, yeah. it doesn't leave a lot of time to play, you know, for fun, so to speak. Um, even though we have a blast doing the play testing, tournaments are where I get to play things other than um, play test scenarios. I get to play some of the official stuff. Well, we're going to encourage all of our listeners to uh, subscribe to Dispatches so that you can earn enough money to retire. <laughs> and then you can design more games for and us. And you can play whatever you want, whenever you want. Yeah, well, uh, the next issue of Dispatches, I want to say, is the last printed one that's going to be uh, released. Oh, yeah, we'd heard that. Yeah, and then after that's that. going to PDF. But the, the the wonderful thing about PDFs is it's going to be all full color. I mean, um you know, I've already been doing all the layout on that, and it, it looks really nice to have all that wonderful color. <laughs> you still using Microsoft Publisher? I actually am, believe it or not, and it works fine. You know, you, you get uh, – I've been using it all these years. I have the latest version of it, of course, but um, it works very well. Yeah. You know, the early versions were very clunky, but uh, the new ones work very well. All right, well, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you very much for all that you've done and all your for the effort. hobby and just amazing and great talking to you. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks a lot. You know, I, I mean, I do this for for fun and, the, you know, the fact uh, that, you know, I can do work like this and have everybody enjoy it is um, it's just extra pleasure. <laughs> yeah, super so, appreciate it. It's We're lucky to have you. Well, uh, glad you uh, seem to have made it through the hurricane and hope you have a uh, very pleasant rest of this year, and we'll look forward to seeing you sometime when Dave and I are when allowed we go, out of the house. When we when we go to Stalingrad together, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe one of these times we'll run into at a, a tournament. We'd look forward to that. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great right. evening. You too. And uh, bye bye. Good, good luck with the remnants of uh, Sandy out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Tom Warren. Wow. Good speaker. Very good speaker. That guy knows how to talk, and he knows what he's talking about. He certainly does know what he's talking about. And I just can't get over how amazing it is to me that somebody goes through 
10 years, 10 years of his life. And not just like every other weekend. I mean, he obviously spent a lot of time and not just him, other people involved in coming out with this project. And it's, it's just incredible. And he talks about it like, oh, first we did a lot of research and then we did a lot of maps. And to me, it's just like, wow. Well, and it struck me as, and then we play tested a few times. Yeah. Like, wait, you're play testing the last bid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, 20 turns, 100 counters per side. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy fun. It, yeah. But it is amazing. I mean, you handed it over to me. and I mean, there were some other things in the box, like a brick oh, and a, a dispatch gold the bar. Yeah. Articles were but, I mean, too. the box is heavy. This this is a significant. Well, a lot of um, that was the dispatch from the bunkers, Jeff. I well, it's still heavy. Like 10 issues in there. Yeah, but it's still heavy. <laughs> Don't take that but from there me. There are great counters. Uh, oh, we oh, didn't ask about cool the counters with the uh, symbols on them of the uh, demolition charges signifying the guards units and so on. Oh really? So, yeah. I haven't seen it. I yeah. I don't own yeah. this. Well, I do not you own did this. see it when we did it. What's in the box, my friend? Well, I you know I glanced over. It was a cursory examination. <laughs> a counter so, sheet has a lot of stuff. We'll have to get playing it. Yeah, we should. We should get playing it. And you saw after the interview, I showed Jeff the uh, yeah, aerial, Dave, aerial view I had up. Yeah, pretty nice uh, picture of Stalingrad taken. During the war by, what, a German reconnaissance yep. plane or yes, something? Yes, it was. Or a satellite, maybe a satellite. Yep, and we sat here and co- tried to find every building on the map, and most all of them were right there. Yeah. And you could recognize them. Amazing work. I mean, it would be horrifying and kind of cool if you could sit down to a game of ASL and go, oh, my grandfather lived in that building. Looking at the ASL map, he lived right there oh, in that building. Were. I mean, wouldn't that be astonishing? Well, yeah, but we don't want war to come to Arlington no, Heights. No. Uh, no, 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 thank you. So no. your grandchildren can yeah. say, ah, that was my grandfather's old house. It's just cool seeing it on the map. Yes. Let's just say that. Well, anyway, thanks so for listening. So we got to get there someday. And we, um, oh, yeah. All of our listeners are invited to join us when Dave and I go for our for the first two half squads tour of, of Stalingrad, which is coming up. When is the – what's the date on that? Uh, I think it's 2021 <laughs> or 28. Yeah, yeah. So start packing, because we're going. <laughs> Dave and I, we've talked about it. We've got lots of plans. We're going to Europe. and Yeah, they've heard us talking about that before, and, yeah. and they know we still haven't gone. Yeah, but, but we're packing. That's We're doing the hard stuff first. We're packing. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed all this banter about Advanced Squad Leader, and we'll see you next show. So roll low. And rally low. Rally <laughs> low. <laughs> But not when you're playing us. Wait a minute. Let's try it again. So roll low. And rally really good. (laughs) But not when you're playing us. us. Bye, everybody. Bye. I didn't have any of that, did I? No, you didn't. I'm drinking this. Well, it looks like Jack Daniels, but actually it's something else. From Costco. Costco. Costco liquor. Don't tell anybody.